Hey everybody, before we begin, I just wanted to make this quick announcement about the podcast. April is National Poetry Month. So, in April, next month, I will be featuring all writers as my guests. More than that, I'm going to be featuring two writers a week. So rather than having the weekly episodes, uh, on Mondays I'll have a writer, and then I'll have another writer again on Thursday. And in the following week, it'll be the same thing. A writer on Monday, a writer on Thursday. So you're getting two episodes per week, all April, and they'll all be writers. Some some will be poets, most of them will be poets, but others will be writers of fiction or experimental uh, experimental literature, um, writers of nonfiction. Uh, the idea is just to feature writers and writing craft and to have craft discussions uh, for those who are interested in creating a writing practice or have a writing practice and want to hear how other writers manage their writing practice. So that's what April will be dedicated to. That's sort of going to be the way I celebrate uh, National Poetry Month, and I hope you celebrate it with me. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I've, I've been curating these episodes uh, since January, sort of reaching out to writers, putting this thing together. And now that they're all been produced, I can't wait for April to come around so that uh, we can all celebrate National Poetry Month together. All right. Thanks for listening. And on with the episode. On with the, on with the episode. Oh, on with the episode. <laughs> this is the podcast I've, I've been trying to get going for a while now as a follow-up to... Uh, I don't know if you guys remember back back in the fall, I had Stephen Obasanya on the podcast, and I had talked about how we live in a very special building in New York City, where somehow, some way, everybody seems to get along with one another, and everybody is an artist. Um, if you've lived in New York City, you know that that's really rare and difficult to find. Um, my previous experiences with New York City apartment buildings has been, to put it as nicely as possible, cutthroat. <laughs> Um, and so Stephen, who was, who is my upstairs neighbor was on the podcast. And now I have my downstairs neighbor on the podcast, uh, Kurt Alger. Welcome. Hello. So, um, Kurt, when you moved in, you were very mysterious and Jen and I were like, Ooh, what does he do for a living? He, he brings, he, he's always getting these packages, oh, so many packages, and he's always leaving with interesting things like wigs and fabrics and other other things. What what does he do? Eventually, we figured out that you you have experience working on Broadway, which I'd love to to learn about. Um, and then over the course of the pandemic, you also because you you couldn't work on Broadway, you 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 created a startup through Etsy. And I also want to talk about that. Um, and so that's why we're here. That's why I've been begging you for weeks on end to come onto this podcast because <laughs> <laughs> it fits, it fits with my theme of creation and creativity and innovation. Well, I'm happy to do it. Um, it's, I'm sorry. It's been such a like crazy thing to <laughs> nail down a time. It's, it seems like in a time like this where it, Everyone supposedly has nothing to do. Sometimes it's hard to nail things down. It's very odd. Yeah. I, um, that's the nature of the game. Uh, you know, I have so many um, tentative things at one time just because of people's schedules. So it's just, it's something I was prepared for when I started this thing. So, 
What'd you do on Broadway? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, by trade, I am a costume and wig designer now. Um, but when I was working on Broadway, I was a wardrobe supervisor. So I was the person who was in charge of all the costumes for a show. Um, but I've also worked on Broadway as a shopper for a show. Um, I've done hair and makeup on Broadway. Um, and I've done many touring companies where I was the wardrobe supervisor. And I've done other touring companies where I was the costume coordinator or designer. And um, I'm a designer in the regional theater circuit all over the country. So I travel... I would say eight months of the year. I mean, you've probably noticed before COVID yeah. I'm home like for like two weeks at a time and then I'm gone for a month and then I'm back for a week or two and then I'm gone. Um, and usually there's a mountain of packages every time I come and go. <laughs> what, does um, a, what does a shopper do? Um, basically you shop for, uh, well, it depends on like what, department you work in but um like i would shop for costume stuff like for shop for fabric or whatever the designers and people who are building and creating stuff need so you would go in for the day and you know they give you a list of stuff and the money and you go shopping for it and how'd you get started? it's actually a pretty it's it's a great gig actually <laughs> yeah it sounds it um what how did you get started what was your first ingress into this um, it was actually totally by happenstance because I went to college and I, my degree is in uh, musical theater performance and dance. I was a performer and I actually dislocated my knee my junior year of college and I wanted to stay involved in the show that I was working on so I started working on the costumes in the costume shop and... Then I did hair and makeup for it, and then that kind of just snowballed into, like, my senior year. Anything I wasn't performing in, I started doing that with, and, like, people noticed that I was really good at it, and literally six months after graduating, I went on the Rent national tour as the hair and makeup supervisor. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to do this for, like, six to eight months and then go back to performing, and then it's kind of snowballed into a 20-year career now. Wow. <laughs> That's two decades. Uh, where, you grew up in New York? Yeah, I grew up in upstate New York. I grew up in Binghamton, New York. Oh, nice. um, and then moved to Staten Island to go to college. And then I have been on Staten Island basically ever since. Minus two years that I lived in Maine in the middle. <laughs> in the middle of Maine. Uh, did you go to CSI? I went to Wagner. Oh, Wagner. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, that's a nice campus. Beautiful, Beautiful view. campus. Yeah. Um, so pandemic hits spring of, or late winter, early spring of 2020 last year. What, what went down? When did it go down? Like, what was your experience with Broadway shutting down? I'll tell you mine. I'll tell you mine right now. I had tickets to Hamilton for fuck's sake. I was the the only show I've been looking forward to you for since rent closed. They were gifted to me, and I got an email saying that uh, whoever bought your tickets is getting a refund. My my email was attached to tickets, but the credit card was my sister's because uh, we're shutting down. I'm like ah, that was that was my experience. Broadway closing. 
Of course. <laughs> um, well, I had actually just opened a show in Florida where I go for most of the winter every year, like I'm some old lady snowbird. Um, and I go down there and I do shows at this amazing theater, Riverside Theater in Vero Beach, Florida. And I had just opened La Caja Faux on a Tuesday. I flew home on Thursday. And people had been, like, murmuring about everything, like, the week leading up to our opening. And we were all starting to watch the news. And it was getting interesting, but no one knew what was going to happen. And so then I flew home, and there was, like, 50 people at the airport. Like, there was, like, no one at the airport. And I was like, this is so bizarre. And then on – I flew home on Thursday – Friday, I kind of chilled out. Saturday, I had brunch with my family. And then Sunday, they announced we were closing down. And Monday, they closed down New York City. So I literally was home for three days, and it was shut down. Um, so I couldn't go back to doing any work on Broadway. And everything that I had lined up to do travel-wise, designing, for an entire year was canceled. So all of my work until actually October of this year is still canceled. So they don't they don't plan on opening up till the next holiday season. They're talking about um, Broadway starting to open up at the end of the summer at a twenty five percent capacity, um, but like regional theaters just can't afford to do that. So, yeah. or some can, and they're trying to figure it out. But it's still you know it's like depending on where you are and how big the theater is and how many people it can hold. And there's so many things. Do you know, I, I mean, this might not be your area of expertise, but do you know what percentage of the house needs to be filled for them to break even on a performance? I, it's, it's, it's different on every show because uh, the amount of money to run every show is very different. Like one of the reasons Rent ran for so long and not just because it was a Tony winner and a Pulitzer Prize winner and a great musical but because it only had a cast of 15 people, a set that never moved. And so it only had five crew people and 15 people in the show and a band of five people. So like there was 25 people to pay. Right. Whereas most shows have like 60 or 70 people to pay. So it depends on the show, you know, like rent could play to half a house and make money. Um, but a show like Hamilton needs to be full every night. Not with the prices they charge for tickets, but in theory, if Hamilton had regular ticket prices, they could perform to, like... Well, the way Hamilton's tickets are now, if they perform to, like, half a house, they make money. But if Hamilton had regular ticket prices, they would need to be sold out every night, like, at a regular ticket price. So, so this thing shuts down. How, how soon are you panicking about money? I wasn't at first because I had been really actually good with my money for the first time in a long time for a while. And I was like, oh, and then I'm going to get unemployment. And then the unemployment came in and then I got, um, one of those SBA loans, the Small Business Association loans. 
And so I was like, oh, I'm okay. I'm good. And that was like through the summer. And that was only because at that point they kept saying that like everything was going to go back to normal last fall. Yeah. And so I kept thinking, okay, well, if I only have to make it to there, it'll be fine because I'll be back to work and I have work all lined up and great. And then it kept getting pushed and it kept getting pushed and it kept getting pushed. And then the SBA money was gone and then the extra $600 unemployment was gone. And then it, you know, it was like, it also took me nine weeks to even get unemployment in the beginning. So I went over two months before it started coming in. So, I mean, it was, it, it, I started to panic in like July. I was starting to get freaked out because I was like, okay, well, all this money is running out and no one has any answers as to what's happening. Um, and I had vowed I wasn't going to go get a job like at Target or like a grocery store. I was like, I'm going to hold out. Um, and then I was visiting um, my pseudo mom, like my replacement mom in Maine. <laughs> And she does all these craft fairs usually every year. And I started thinking, well, I'm pretty crafty. <laughs> and I was like, I love decorating for the holidays. Um, it's like my favorite thing to do. Um, and so then I was like, you know what? I wonder if I started like trying to do like an Etsy shop of holiday stuff. If I could make a little extra money. And so I started last October, um, and I did a couple craft fairs and the Etsy shop, and it's been successful. So it's been like a really surprise thing, um, and it's gotten to the point where it's very successful. I'm still not turning a huge profit because it's still a lot of money goes into like continuing to like make the stuff and. Mm build up an inventory and pay fees and all this stuff. But I'm, I am making money now. Um, and I was one of the most successful at Etsy startups last year, according to Etsy. Um, and so uh, now I have a lot of friends starting to ask me, are you going to even go back to theater or are you just going to keep trying to develop this brand and do this? And I was like, that's a good question because there's been something really kind of great about being able to work completely on my own terms. Um, but I feel like I could never leave doing theater completely. So I'd imagine too that un unless you had some sort of startup capital to really make this a functioning business where you're not in charge of the supply chain or the, um, the accounting that that would be different, but it seems to me that it's so small at this point that you would kind of need to go back to Broadway, uh, even if you were going to do this on the side. Yeah. And well, I mean, yes and no, because I am to a point where I could start paying someone to work with me a couple days a week to do sort of administrative -y stuff. Um, but I don't really want to do that yet because I'm trying to like, get caught up on bills that are behind and mm -hmm. like all that stuff. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So I don't know. I think the business, the way it stands now, I, 
and the way it continues to grow, I could see it growing to being something incredibly successful, which is crazy to me because I literally thought maybe I'll make a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> and so it's been very good. No, I, I remember like every time I've visited, it was always like sold out, sold out, sold out. I'm like, dude, this guy's making a killing. So when you began though, uh, how, how did you determine what you were going to start creating and how did you uh, start with your supply chain to be able to maintain output? Um, Well, one of the ideas that I had behind Vanity House Designs was I wanted to, one of the elements of what I say and do is that everything has an element of it that is upcycled or recycled. So I started by last August just going to like every Salvation Army and Goodwill and garage sale and everything I could and buying every single thing that was holiday decor of any holiday or seasonal decor anything so that um i could build up a stock of stuff that then i could buy new stuff you know from like craft places and online and stuff and combine them and use it all to make things um so that's what I did, and that's kind of what I used the SBA loan money for. I actually used it for a small business, which was fantastic. And you actually got <laughs> um, it. Yeah. Um, so it kind of all worked out great in that sense. Um, and it's just been interesting, like, seeing what sells and what doesn't sell. And I've I've reached a point on like Etsy has scales of shops and like what you make and traffic. And you, when you hit a certain point, you have to pay into advertising. Hmm. Um, and which I was already paying for advertising, but then they bump it up another thing. And I was like, I really don't want them to take more money because I feel like, you know, I'm struggling to survive here. But last month, over 6,000 new people visited my shop. And every sale that I've had in the last month was from a stranger, as opposed to before, where every sale was to someone I knew. So clearly the ads are working, and it's amazing because I am selling to people all over the country who I've never met. Um, And what was also amazing before was I had this wonderful network of people from doing theater for 20 years like I have over 3,000 friends on Facebook and Instagram who, when I started posting stuff, even though they're all out of work too, they all were like, well, if I'm going to buy something anyway, I'd rather buy it from a friend. And so it's it was huge. Like Halloween and Thanksgiving were fine, but Christmas was ridiculous. I have like... I started to like go crazy. I was like working like 14 hours a day making stuff. And constantly shipping stuff out, which was great, but it was it got really difficult to keep up with right towards like the last the first two weeks of December leading up to like the last time people would be buying holiday stuff um, but it was great, but like wow yeah. <laughs> i didn't ex- i did never expected this kind of response. I never thought it would be like this, 
I mean, I know I'm good at decorating and making stuff, but it was still kind of like a surprise. So I think that's been the the craziest part is like how successful it is. Did it alleviate your worry? Um, it hasn't yet <laughs> because I still am playing so much catch up. Yeah. Um. But every time I make a sale. I do feel like, oh, good. I, this was a great choice. This is I'm doing something productive, um, and it's just a matter of like managing everything else. Like, don't order food all the time, which is also hard because I also mm-hmm. don't want to cook all the time. Because yeah. as someone who traveled for the last twenty years, I didn't really cook much. So like, being home and like having to like make meals all day long every day is not like my norm. Um, but you know, you, you adjust. And so like, I'm trying to be better with that to like, you know, it's just a balancing game and you know, who knows, hopefully the Etsy thing keeps growing and hopefully I get to go back to theater and I'll get to do kind of both in some way. And then I'll be really doing well, but, (laughs) um, Right now, it is still kind of scary because it's still like, I don't know when I'm going back exactly to quote unquote real work. Safe work. Oh, well, uh, going back to how surprised you were by the success of it, are you the kind of person who would underestimate your talents or the value of your talents? Always. Yeah, me too. Actually, someone commented on my Facebook yesterday about that. I posted a funny little meme thing that was like, you commented on it. It was, uh, you know, name a villain that you associate (laughs) me with. And one person actually wrote Elphaba from Wicked. Uh. And then she wrote, but she's not really a villain. She's just someone that people don't really understand all the time and don't really value her gifts and talents and underestimate what she can do. And I was like, wow. It actually was like, I kind of had like an emotional reaction to it. Because I was like, that's a really powerful statement. And yeah. I was like, it hit the nail on the head. Because I think I've always kind of felt like, because my degree was in performance and then I transitioned into designing, I've always, even though many people have called me one of the most successful regional theater designers, like I'm, I hate saying it. I don't like to sound like this. I'm in high demand as a designer, and that's great. But I feel like a fraud half the time because I feel like this isn't what I trained to do. This isn't what I do. And so then this this Etsy shop was like, oh, well, this is a hobby of mine. <laughs> but it's turned into like making what some people make in a year in like the four and a half months I've been open. And... But what's crazy, because we live in New York City, is that I'm still not making enough money for it to make sense. Like, And, you know, I live in an apartment by myself as a single person, so it's not the same as someone who has roommates and costs are offset. So it's like, that's also hard sometimes. Like, life would be very different if I was still living, you know, with two or three roommates, like most of my friends are. But making the transition to living here and living by myself was also one of the best things I ever did for myself. So just a lot about lifestyle changes and questions and growth. And But yes, to 
round back round, I underestimate my talents. I underestimate what I can achieve. Like the the Etsy thing was a big surprise. One of my best friends was like, I knew it was going to be a success. And he was like, I can see you becoming like, like pseudo famous for doing this. Like this could become like a real thing, like real, real thing. And I was like, I don't even know if I want it to though. Like that's yeah. a lot. It's a lot like, of pressure. I'm, I was like, this level's great. If I could stay at this level and be successful and go back to designing theater, I'd be a real happy camper. Yeah. So. Well, I think it would just be a matter of, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what your process is and everybody's creative process is different, but if you could figure out, get somebody to help you manage the administrative aspects of it and then have, have an assembly plan so that when you get orders, it's not too overwhelming. You know, um, anyway, that's, that, that could also be completely meaningless because I have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. <laughs> no, it's not meaningless at all. I think one of the things that shocked me at Christmas time was, uh, I had had this plan, like I had made a plan for all the holidays and listed, like, I'm going to make these 15 things for Halloween and these 20 things for Thanksgiving and these like 30 things for Christmas. And then I would offer, you know, if someone wanted something custom made, sure. But then it became I made like 50 custom made things on top of the things that I'd already put in the shop. And then people wanted recreations of things that were in the shop but had sold out. So I had to like figure out remaking some things. Um, so that was its own journey. And there were, there was, there were two christmas wreaths that i ended up making 10 of each and i had vowed when i started this that i was only going to make one of each of everything like they would be one of a kind things like it would be like i made this it sells it's gone but then this one wreath everyone kept wanting this damn wreath (laughs) so i made so many of them uh but it was it was good but it's interesting I don't know. I have to start to try to figure out how to narrow down what it is I make and make like more targeted things. So I don't know. That's the interesting part is figuring out what people are going to want. Yeah. Because there was stuff like I thought Valentine's Day would be a bigger deal than it was. I did okay Valentine's Day wise. But the stuff I made was not what people were looking for, apparently. (laughs) Um, And so that was a learning curve. Um, But then there's been other things. What's really great is I integrated now into the shop a Broadway section. And so I'm starting to do theater-themed things. And those things are selling really well. Yeah. Which is exciting because it marries the two things. And so I sort of feel like I'm doing what, what it is that I really want to do in a certain way because it's like I'm getting back to doing theater, kind of. <laughs> is there... Yeah, I saw some of that stuff. And that stuff looks good. Um, I mean, all of it looks good. Um, but um, I'm a big... Anything New York, Broadway, whatever, I'm, like, obsessed with. Uh, but um, I, one, one thing I was wondering, and I might be thinking too much about it, is is there a... Uh, 
is there a line where you can't cross in terms of like some of the imagery that you're selling through these products are owned by companies? Mm-hmm. Is that an issue or is does that not matter at all? Am I overthinking it? It matters to a certain extent as to how you do it is what I've learned. Um, and because unlike the Broadway blocks things that I'm doing, they're recycled CD books and mm. recycled uh, playbills. Um, they are previously acquired and purchased images. So I'm not like taking an image off the internet and using it as like mm. my own. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. You're just doing found almost like found art. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering about that. Um, Awesome. Well, I mean, I hope you find the balance that works for you uh, in terms of being able to do both. It, that's a hard one because um, I'm, I'm in the same boat and with a lot of the thousands of things I want to do, but no time to do any of it. Um, <laughs> and um, I hope I hope you find it. And then I and uh, you know I, I yeah. I mean, that's basically it. I think your story, too, is really cool. Like, because I remember having conversations with you in July when the 600 bucks was running out, you know, 600 bucks is ending, you know, because that was when I was shooting my film and you were kind enough to let me shoot my film in the building and annoy all of you. And that thing was basically financed by that 600 bucks that I was getting every week. And so it was just like, I was there and... um I love the way you came out swinging. I think that that's inspirational. Well, thank you. I, I was like, I got to do something. <laughs> yeah. So it was, a, it was an interesting curve. Um, well, and it's changed my life so much, which even as you have seen now, like what used to be my big bedroom <laughs> at my house is no longer my bedroom. It is now my work and craft studio. And my bedroom is downstairs where my studio used to be. So uh, it's definitely changed a lot about how I'm living and working. And it's actually great. Um, It does inspire me to keep moving and keep pushing. Like I started making yesterday and they'll all go on the site on Monday, the stuff for St. Patrick's Day. And so it's just like, just keep pushing. And I plan on doing every holiday until I go back to theater and then whatever's in the shop will stay in the shop. And then when I can, I'll make more and add it and keep going from there, I guess. Yeah. And I'm actually also glad, like I'm relieved that you, you moved downstairs to sleep because I've been, it seems like more and more I've become a night owl and I've really been doing most of my activities and my living room was above where your bedroom used to be. So I was always conscious of that. And, um, I'm a little more relieved now that I'm not waking you up <laughs> because I know I, for a fact I used to wake up the guy who was there before you. Oh, really? Yeah, he used to like give a shit. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Yeah. Well, I think it also helps when I have my um, my my show two nights to be having them downstairs now that I won't be waking you oh, up. Oh, we, we, we enjoyed those. And um, <laughs> I, honestly, I go to bed around three or four, so they never ever bothered me. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> Thanks for uh, coming on the podcast, Kurt. 
Absolutely. Thank you I'm for having me. Come down and retrieve that uh, audio device. <laughs> All right. Awesome. All right, Have bye. a good one. See you.